Welcome to the fifth season of The Coaching Cast, your working from home club. We're here to remind you that you're not alone, that we're in this together, all striving to make sense of today's working world. Regardless of where you're working right now, or whatever you do as a career, we've got something for you here at The Coaching Cast. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, coach and trainer at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a two-year-old who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we explore all things impacting you, our CBBs, at work right now, presenting topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself, as well as having a few laughs along the way, of course. We really hope you enjoy listening. Today's episode is all about friendships at work. We're going to explore how friendship can impact our happiness at work, what friendships at work can look like, the benefits and struggles in forming these now we are working in a hybrid world. So stay with us and enjoy. So Lisa, before we get into this week's episode, how are you doing? I am great. Um, for anyone who is watching the episode, you will see that I am wearing a beanie hat, which is not common. I don't always show up on the podcast wearing some form of headwear, but I am today because Susie kindly sent me this as a gift. So it is a We Are Feel Good Club beanie hat, um, which I particularly love. It's in yellow. I actually think it suits me, actually, this colour, Susie. Good, good pick, I think. But yeah, so Susie bought it for me as a present and it arrived in the post yesterday and I'm thrilled. It came with a notebook as well. And if anyone doesn't know who We Are Feel Good Club are, they are an amazing um, cafe, well-being, um, mental health space in Manchester run by a wonderful couple who I particularly like and follow. So I was over the moon to get some of their merch as well as oh. my, my coaching cast stickers, big, finally. Big reveal. Big reveal. Uh, Lisa I has got her mug. coaching cast mug and so have I. So we are officially twinning on the merch yeah so finally now that I'm back in the UK I've been able to pick up my my sticker pack uh which I have poorly applied to this mug (laughs) like um, it It looks on the wall yeah everyone in our secrets stop no it's high quality merch it looks good though I think I feel Um, very loose women (laughs) I know well that's how I felt when I first got my mug back in season four so the merch featured heavily in season four and continues to still go into season five um and we'll take that but um I'm glad you in um like your beanie hat you look very cool like you just (laughs) kind of do podcasting in your beanie hat every day you know I'm such a hipster this is what all the hipsters do they uh record all of their their content wearing their their beanies yeah yeah I've been wearing it a lot ultra cool and I'm glad you like it and we do share quite a lot of content don't we on our Instagram page from the feel good club so if you're intrigued we follow them we share quite a lot of content so if you're intrigued about finding out more it's just a brilliant place in Manchester city centre 
Uh, I've never actually been, but I've heard a lot about it. We're going. Really now I'm back. Now I'm back. We need to go. <laughs> and I'm going to go wearing my hat. Like, Maybe hey. we could do a podcast from there. That would be cool. Oh, that it? would be cool. I'd have to talk to them. See, see. But yeah, so no, you made my day yesterday. What a lovely start to a Monday. Um, but no, other than that, pretty good. Obviously, it was the uh, Jubilee weekend celebrations, which I landed into from, from my trip. So it was nice to come back to so much activity and, you know, patriotism. I was like, whoa. Because um, I remember the the last celebration for the Queen's reign in 2012, and that was like a big year as well because it was the year of the Olympics, and I lived yeah. in London. And I remember me and my mates just getting straight into the the whole spirit of it all. It was amazing, and you know we went to loads of like proper like East End London pubs, and me and my friend Siobhan went to the Mall and saw the whole. Um, procession and saw the red arrows fly over and saw the queen on the balcony so that's very cool but yeah so that was 10 years ago I was like god that makes me feel old um but yeah amazing for this time around but I have to admit I have barely watched anything I haven't kept up to date with any of the activities on on the tv I got involved in the local village event um which was quite sweet actually it was really nice although my husband's response was it was boring which you know (laughs) delightful but he's still on the high of you know us being in Africa and things and apparently this is you know too small fry but I think he's just being mean I thoroughly enjoyed myself I was gonna say was it like like a welcome back party oh quite and it did feel like that actually because all the neighbors were like oh you're back nice to see you and I was like hey hi there strolling in like hi yeah (laughs) Yeah. for me oh it's great to be back don't care after I mean after after last weekend that'll be it I'll just be back at the bottom of the pile but it was nice to feel like a celebrity for a day (laughs) um so yeah no it's good how about yourself did you get up to much for the old platy jubes yeah so there was a lot going on in my village as well fair play to the like local council because they um parish council they actually did quite a lot of events so um, on the Thursday morning, we obviously were podcast recording. So yes, we started we were, off our yeah. uh, weekend with a little record because we'd just been away. So we kind of did it on the Thursday. Um, and then we went to the pub in the afternoon with some friends who live in our village. Um, that was really cool. And our um, like in our village, they put on buses. So there's like about seven pubs in our village. Um, it's a lot of pubs. A lot of pubs. For and, a village. Bloody yeah. Hell. And they are all like pretty decent pubs as well. And they put on these little bus routes. You could get on the bus and it would drop you off at the different pubs and you could kind of get on the Oh, that is so cool. That was really cool. That was really good. And then on the Friday, they did a little treasure hunt, family treasure hunt on one of the fields. Um, Mm. uh, My little boy got, well, he had no idea. The clues were so hard. Like I did it with him and I was like, I don't know what half these answers are. But he was at that age where he couldn't read. He just wanted to hold the piece of paper and a pencil and just mm. kind of walk around the field feeling mm. like he was doing something different. So, yeah, he got well into that, enjoyed that. Um, and then on the Saturday, I think they had like a community football match. And then on the Sunday, they had um, a street party at the village hall. But the weather was awful here on Sunday. It was really rainy. So I don't think like many people went unfortunately typical british summertime lets everyone down i know we had a bit of rain but actually it held off so we did quite well it rained more early in the morning so actually by the time the barbecue had like got going at two it was fine cool so good times good times yeah so so congratulations Um, mom 
Yes, congratulations, mom, on yeah. 70 years in the Incredible. job. It's a good reign, that. It's a good tenure. Good, good bloody hell. She, has, she must have the longest tenure of anyone in any job. 70 years. That was insane. I thought I was good to stay somewhere. Actually, where's the long, what's the longest you've ever stayed working for someone? Well, working for someone or working in the same job? Working for the same company, like working for the same organisation. Um, did a little 12 years. See, that is bloody long as well. I think the longest I've ever done in one long go, I've done two stints. I've gone like a bit back and forth, but the longest stint I've done is seven. Seven years is my longest. Okay. But yeah, 12, bloody hell, top trumps. Topped, topped it, but 70 years. But I, I see your point, like the queen, 70 years in, in, in role, the same one. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is yeah. called growing and flexing and adapting with the with the role as it's moved on, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So you may have noticed as well that I don't have my podcasting gear on today. So I've got no mic, no headphone. That is because my mic has um, stopped working. Couldn't get it to turn on when I went to record this morning. <laughs> Drama, not what you need as you're about to start a podcast record. So. First off, apologies if I sound a bit weird. Hopefully it's a one-off and the sound quality. Dave can do his magic in the background and make me sound as decent as Lisa. But yeah, got no ge- I've got no equipment. Got no equipment. <laughs> you sound great. I don't think you can tell. Okay. You sound great. It's all good. All right. I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> um, also, what's going on this weekend, I just have to mention, is for those CBBs who are parents, they may or may not have yet experienced the transition from cot to bed in terms of a child. Um, This was a big event in our house this week, alongside um, Platy Jubes. My son transferred from his cot, where he's been since he was six months old, to his first toddler bed. And it is in the shape of a racing car, like a Ferrari racing car. It's red. Bless him. He chose it. Very excited. Uh, it's nicknamed the car bed. So <laughs> it was also a form of bribery for about a month. So I was kind of like, well, you need to ha- you need to be listening well because I just can't get a car bed. Or you need to eat dinner so you can have a car bed. But now he's got <laughs> a car bed. I would definitely say I've used that way too much as the carrot. <laughs> because now I'd say his behavior has probably got really bad. And he's like, well, I've got a car bed now. So I don't need to listen anymore. Don't need to eat my dinner anymore. So I've got to find a new version of the car bed. Oh, my um, goodness. But yeah, so that's been interesting. Trying to get him. He's fallen out of it a couple of times. He also like accidentally headbutted it the other day because he got so excited. <laughs> and he's now got a big egg on his head. I was like, oh, Aww. That is a form I'm going to have to fill out this week in like childcare for sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so the big transition. Oh, what, what a moment! I know. What a moment! I love the fact he's already manipulated it though. So already he's a quick learner. He's going to be smart. He's already worked out that you know he's he's got the price, so yep. he doesn't need to behave anymore. Yeah. And now it means you're just going to keep setting the bar higher. What's better than a car bed to a two-year-old? I know, I know, I know. Maybe I need to like review. Oh, I've gone back to the sticker chart. So I've kind of said like for being a good boy, you get stickers and then you get a certain number of stickers, you can choose a present. That's what I've gone back to. But yeah, we're kind of really, really excelled on the car bed front. But 
big milestone this weekend alongside obviously the queen's uh <laughs> yeah two major <laughs> events happened this week no bbc coverage in terms of the car bed transition unfortunately well but there we go the film crews were otherwise occupied <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> right well from car beds um and the platinum jubilee should we just start talking about friendships at work yeah let's do it okay let's go A 2021 study of employees by UK-based company Wild Goose found that 57% of workers say that having a work best friend makes their work more enjoyable, and 22% argue it makes them more productive. Those are some pretty powerful stats. So, it's fair to say friendship is critical to business performance and our happiness at work. But things have changed. Post-pandemic, we are now working in a hybrid world, leading to a stark rise in remote work friendships. So, Lisa, what has your experience been of friendship at work? Overall, I would say really good, I think. (laughs) You know, this is that moment when you're like, yeah, I've got loads of mates at work. I've had loads. (laughs) And then everyone's sitting there listening going, she's a twat. Um, Well, I think, you know, you're a good example of the fact that I actually managed to make a friend at work. We met at work. We're friends, I think. Well, you bought me a present. I think that's a good sign. Um, So, yeah. So you're a good demonstration of the fact that I am capable of, like, forging strong relationships at work, I think. But in the fact that we're still we're still together and we haven't actually technically contractually worked together for over two years now. We haven't um, broken up yet. No, we haven't broken up yet. Um, so, yeah, so I would say overall, really positive. And actually, a lot of the work friends that I made over the years are still friends now. So I think my closest friends um, that that I made were those that I made. God. Well, like actually one of my best friends who was a bridesmaid at my wedding was someone I met at work when I, like straight from university met from work. Oh, so cool. we've been friends now since 2006 or something. And actually they were my manager for a while. Uh, and then I progressed and got promoted and then we were peers for a very long time. But yeah, and we're still best mates now and we haven't worked together since gosh 2012 I think 10 years so yeah and actually they're the reason I met my husband so they um moved into the village where Dom had bought the pub when he had the pub and I went to stay with them and they introduced me to him and the rest is history so I mean that is a bloody good friend that's a good work friend surely that's a good demonstration of a decent work relationship someone that actually helps you find a husband so yeah So I'd say that was a good indication. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think when I thought about this a bit more, I was thinking, well, how can you answer it a little bit more in depth and just, yeah, pretty good thanks. And I thought, you know what? Actually, those work friendships that I have who have been the most valuable and who potentially I still have now, but even those maybe who I would say maybe I've lost touch with them, but I still think of them like really fondly. They are individuals who really helped me in my growth and like my personal development over that whole period. Because when I think about it, I started work straight from university. I was 21. 
and I was still a child really and so much of my 20s the main thing that I had was my job and my career and how I was growing my career but it was the time when I was making so many mistakes whether it be work related or personal bit of a roller coaster probably quite a bit of a car crash a lot of the time not a car bed hopefully no there's quite a lot of uh, workplace shame stories in those 20s that are just not appropriate to be shared on this podcast and I think without my work friendships I don't know how well I would have got through it you know they really helped to like support me and yeah probably became quite a crutch a lot of the time um as well as like my own best mates I mean I'm still best friends with the girls I went to school with when I was 11 so I've always been fortunate I've got a good friendship circle but yeah I do think back and think god a lot of my really close work friendships are those that really helped me to grow and develop and mature and yeah it's quite interesting interesting subject I think this one I thought it was quite straightforward that was what I thought when when we said right we're going to have a discussion around this as a topic I was like what's there to talk about there's not much but actually that's not true at all there's quite a lot to talk about what what about you what's your experience well I think to kind of build off that the piece around actually like helping you in the moment so supporting you you know helping your growth but also having a laugh and like making it light-hearted because we spend a lot of time at work it's like a third of our lives at work I feel like we say that but we we don't necessarily acknowledge what we're saying like that is actually a fact like it's true it is true and it is a lot of time Um, time. and no words can describe how much time that is like in the extent that it really impacts our lives Mm. so actually the people we build relationships with friendships with in that environment are really like important and critical to our happiness of course they are because we spend so much time in that environment so actually like my experience of it has been you know certainly people where um they've we've connected maybe over like a shared experience or um I don't know a shared interest for example but then also I found like people who then make things light-hearted fun enjoyable have a bit of humor sprinkled into day-to-day things because sometimes a lot of things you're doing you know, can be quite challenging, um, can be tricky, you know, might involve problem solving, hard, difficult conversations, etc. So having a bit of kind of lightheartedness within that as well makes it just a lot more enjoyable and also the people you trust and enjoy being around. So I've kind of had a fairly similar experience in that I've, you know, also got some great friends through my working life so far. Again, I've, you know, you and I, that's how you and I met in the workplace. Um, and you know, I'm not saying you should be, um, sharing BFF necklaces, you know, do you remember those little like heart necklaces? <laughs> oh, I love those. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when you yeah. They're so cute. I love them. Oh God. So cute. So yeah, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you need to be dishing them out to everybody that you kind of have an interaction with in the workplace, but I think having a few friends kind of there to kind of help support you but also just have a bit of lightheartedness is really really important and it's difficult and it's challenging actually I found when you work for yourself as well which I know a few CBs yeah. do not then having that opportunity you have to kind of go and seek that more consciously and more proactively if that's important to you um is is definitely hard and I found that a little bit I'm very lucky that 
a couple of my friends are self-employed and they don't live that far from me. So actually there's quite a good opportunity there for us to meet up, work, et cetera, and kind of support each other because we're all in this we're all in the same kind of situation. But if you don't have that, that can be quite challenging for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I've spoken about that in my own personal experience. And I know I found that much more challenging when I'm away. So when I'm in South Africa, that's, I find that a lot more isolating, not just because of the uh, lack of proximity to people, but also I'm on a different time zone and I'm in a completely different place. So that relatability piece goes as well and that's really important to me and that I like to be able to connect with people and be able to relate and you know have shared experiences well if I'm somewhere completely different and you know like in January you've got snow and I've got like boiling sunshine 30 degrees you know I'm not relatable anymore because I'm (laughs) I'm like I've lost my relatability everybody I've lost my relatability but I think it's interesting what you talk about in terms of the relationships you forge at work and the circumstances in which you do it. And you talked about like the challenging. I don't think there are many relationships that I can think of other than those in the work context where you are thrown together with people, not of your making necessarily. It's not necessarily of your choice where you're having to deal with high levels of pressure, stress, challenge together and find a way through it successfully and and for me that successfully part is also inclusive of how you're all feeling by the end of it and the experiences that you've had because I think those relationships that I've got that I really treasure from a work perspective are those where and this sounds a little bit dramatic it's not you know it's not exactly like we were in Saving Private Ryan but like where you had to like like overcome some big thing together and you all got down in the dirt and you you know you really like forged together as a team and like you went through the highs and the lows there was spats and there was sharp words and you like nearly bit each other's heads off and maybe you did but then you all made up at the end and then you went out for a massive beer afterwards and you celebrated the success of it all you know with the soundtrack of some sort of like epic war movie in the background to be honest with you this just sounds like an episode of Below Deck (laughs) <laughs> I'll be honest okay fair enough I've, I think I've barely watched below but, <laughs> but you know what I mean like that kind of experience yes. yeah. there aren't that many people in your life I don't think that you can say other than those yeah. that you deal with in your work career and relationships where you go through stuff like that together and where actually I know I felt really proud of what was achieved um, and some of that has included the way in which my friendships have grown or the team has developed and we've come together some of that has formed part of what I'm really proud of what we've achieved especially when I know that we've had to work through differences conflicts disagreements that made it even more gritty and brilliant and wonderful when actually at the end you were like oh well done everyone we got through that like Yes, having a laugh is part of it. And actually, to be honest, one of my coping mechanisms was always like, let's try and make a laugh out of this or someone crack a joke just to like cut the like atmosphere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like even just talking about it makes me feel excited again and reminds me of like why I enjoyed working so much in some of those environments. Yeah. So do you think you, you know, we should be friends with colleagues and line managers? Oh, hell yeah. Without a doubt. Why would you not? As you said, like, 
I do think, well, and as you and I have just articulated, some of the friendships that we have today and who we hold closely um, to ourselves are those with people that we worked with. And that's enough to say, well, that's why you should be friends with people at work because actually, yes, of course you've got a job to do and it is about showing up every day, doing your job, working, but so many wonderful things can come out of that that are not just the work itself. It's the what cre- what's created as a result of it. And friendships, I think, are such a big part of it. And, you know, I've got a husband, so that's a reason you should be friends with colleagues and line managers and nothing else. Although some people would say that that's probably against the contract. Because <laughs> there are plenty of people out there who've married their co-workers, aren't there? There are. <laughs> not there me. Are. Not me. But <laughs> I just think... When it comes to like being friends with like colleagues and line manager, I think managers, I think the the only thing I would ever say, and I think it's personally true of all relationships, is that at the end of the day, there's still an element of respecting boundaries. And I think that's true of all relationships. I don't think that's specific to a work context necessarily, but I think it's just keeping that in mind when you are at work to recognize actually why are we here we have got a reason to be here there is a purpose and as much as it would be in lots of ways for me to chatter away to you know my mate Emma by the coffee machine for an hour it's not actually what I'm being paid for and I and that's the point I suppose it's like you are being paid to be there so you do have to respect that I think there's also just at times remembering as I said, I call it that boundary line um, and knowing how to manage yourself to it, which, I mean, I say this as someone who's not very good at it because I don't really have a boundary. So the workplace is always an interesting space for me anyway, which is recognising like <laughs> when to share, when not to share, when to speak, when not to speak. <laughs> but But yeah, I mean, like, I suppose the flip side is probably asking like, why should you not be friends with your yeah. colleagues and I mean, your managers? My experience as well, a slightly different um, perspective, because in my corporate career, I spent a lot of time away from home. Mm. I would spend on average two nights a week away from home in a hotel, like staying in hotels. Yeah. Alongside quite a lot of my colleagues in sales. And I have to say that some evenings when I was like alone in a random hotel near Heathrow Terminal 5, actually, I really valued those friendships that I and connections that I formed outside of the working day. Because, you know, yes, when you're in the working day, you have to be mindful that you're being paid to do a job. But actually, in the evening, you're not. Yeah, that's actually my time. And not everyone is the same, but I found a huge amount of comfort and um, joy from spending time with people outside of work. And that's why a lot of my work friendships were created, definitely. And people who I still speak to today and actually would love to spend more time with, but I don't anymore because that neither of us are kind of in that space now. Um, and actually without those friendships there, I think I probably would have done that I call it the regime because I can't think of a better way of doing it. But at the time I look back now, I'm like, oh my God, how did I do that every week? Um, but at the time, I think that would have made my experience of 
the regime a lot more challenging and a lot mm. more difficult so I really valued those friendships at that that moment in time because I used to hate going to a hotel a dreary hotel on my own after a full day of work and going to my room and literally like eating in my bedroom sitting there on my own watching tv in those four walls for however many nights a month or a week like it gets pretty lonely well for mm. me anyway because I'm quite social and get my energy from people so yeah then those friendships were critical at that point for me yeah no which is which is such a valid point as well in terms of actually in those evenings that's your time so mm-hmm. actually it is about well how do you how do you look after yourself in those times and yeah. the things that you want to do I was actually the opposite I hardly ever actually stayed because I could drive home and I preferred to yeah but when I did I actually really enjoyed the luxury of being on my own so yeah I was like the opposite I was like yes I'm gonna go to the gym and then I'm gonna go back to my room and I'm just gonna eat whatever I want in my room watching whatever tv I want um uninterrupted by my husband although he did because he used to phone me so then he used to disrupt the program viewing anyway but you know <laughs> and I would just sit there and just indulge and love the fact that I just had an evening on my own <laughs> yeah where I was that like annoying person I was like do you want to come for a drink <laughs> a lot of people were the same a lot of people just wanted their like alone time which obviously I understand but I was not one of them <laughs> yeah, yeah a drink now, is fun. now as a mum god I'd be there every night like yes I'm spending some time on my mum <laughs> yeah. like on my own now like back then I wasn't so I had no idea of that boundary <laughs> yeah yeah totally sure. totally so, um, do you think any of your friendships at work have ever held you back? So this is a weird one for me. Yes and no. Yeah. And actually the one I'm referring to when I even say that is the same one. So I'm going to tell a story to bring this to life. So it was a long time ago now, like years ago, and I had been identified as an individual who was well I suppose who had the potential to to grow to progress and to be promoted to the next level of senior management in an organization I worked for so I was already managing people but this was to go up to the next level of management and it would have been responsible for you know managers of people so I myself would have been um, a, a, a sort of a more senior leadership role. And as part of this identification um, from this individual, who at the time was my head of department, I was given more focus and attention to support my development. So I was given more opportunities to grow. And I think through that time, like, I already had a good relationship with with my uh, my manager and this just felt a sort of an evolution of that relationship but what ended up happening was I didn't I didn't get the promotion that came up so despite the investment the attention I think my assumption that I was being readied to take on um the opportunity when it came about when it actually happened I was bypassed and I felt at the time like really I suppose I suppose it sounds a bit strong but I did feel quite betrayed actually but it was because I fixated too much on the fact that I thought we were friends 
And I felt betrayed more on that level. I felt betrayed from a personal, you know, friendship perspective than an actual work one. Because when I took time to reflect on it, I was in agreement with who they gave the position to. Actually, the person who took the role was a lot more experienced than I was. It, they, they were already operating at the level. They'd just taken some time out from the business and come back. And that kind of makes sense, made sense as well from a, you know, um, I don't know the morals, the white word, but, you know, from a legislative point of view, there was a role that they needed to come back to. There was one and it was, they were already at that level and they needed to be brought back into the business. So that made sense. That was the right thing to do, not moving me up into it. Yeah. As well as the fact that realistically, I don't think I was actually ready but it was a really interesting experience because my initial reaction was very much one of hurt, pain. As I said, like I'm using really heavy words like betrayal, but that's what yeah. I felt like. Yeah. But actually, once I digested it, I realized it was the right decision for the business. It was the right decision for the team. It was the right decision for this individual who was coming back, who I then ended up working really closely with and learned huge amounts from so actually it was the right move for everybody it was the right move actually for me too and it gave me such a strong lesson in recognizing relationships at work it really made me realize do you know what yes you may be friends with that person and actually what has happened in this scenario actually didn't change that. We stayed friends. They continued to actually be my um, head of department and they continued to nurture and grow me. They still invested in me. They didn't stop. And I continued to get really great exposure and learning mm. so that when there was then the next promotion opportunity that came up and which was in a completely different department, actually, I went for it. I got interviewed and I got the position and I got promoted and it was at the right time what it really taught me was fundamentally in a work context, especially when you become friends, I think with senior managers or individuals who are of a higher position than you, first and foremost, they have a job to do and that's their priority. And it's not your friendship. It never will be because that's not why they're here. And that's not what enables the success of a business. It's not that everyone's mates. Yeah. Because you can never be objective, not completely in a friendship or in any relationship. You'll always be subjective in a relationship if that's what you focus in on first. And it is a really it was a really tough lesson. Like, as I said, I was really hurt for a while. And but I internalized all of that, which is generally what I I can do that anyway, because I will always look at myself first before anybody else to see well, where does the fault lie. And I always question my reaction to the point where I then devalue the reaction I'm having. It doesn't always go in my favor. Sometimes that can be a little bit of a silly thing to do, but it's the way in which I cope with things. And because I know I can control myself, I can't control what's going on with other people. And it was the way that I could like move forward productively, but it was a really good experience. That's why I, I suppose I answer the question the way I do. It's like, has it, did it hold me, hold me back? It did, but not really, like, not, yeah. not in the end. Like, it felt like it did at the time. Yeah. But actually, it really did work out for the best overall. So I think it was just, yeah, just a really interesting one. And I, I do you know what? And I've watched 
I watched for years other people make those mistakes with in their own circumstances, with their own, you know, relationships at work and stuff. And just always had a bit of this like knowing kind of like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and I was like, I know how it feels, but I think this is what you've got to think about and this is what you've got to remember. And I did have other people that I worked with over the years who really didn't. And when that situation happened to them, we're all different. We all react differently. You know, they made decisions such as I'm changing my job. I'm leaving the company. Like it was that drastic. And I totally Mm. understand why that happens because Mm. it is hurtful. It's painful. But I do think it's always thinking about, well, how can you manage that for yourself so that you make a decision? It's such a tough one because I know as a manager of people, it's always been something I've been mindful as as well, which is that I want to connect with you. I want to support you. I want us to develop a relationship, but let's always be clear what we're here to do. Like never get away from the purpose of what we're here to do. Yeah. I felt like, so I like what you just said there about like how you felt at the time, like in terms of you felt like it held you back at the time, because I had a situation where I was friends with somebody um, we were operating in the same team, so we were colleagues, and I got on with them really well, had a laugh with them, had a lot of mutual interest, like they were a really nice person, I enjoyed spending time with them. And then I got promoted um, to cover um, a role, and all of a sudden I became their line manager. And I, for me, found that probably more challenging than the, than the person did. I haven't actually ever spoken to them about it but I I don't think they did anyway I'm assuming that but for me I actually found that really like a bit more kind of hard to get my head around mm. and how I was going to navigate that especially when um it came to giving feedback mm. because I we've talked about feedback on this podcast before you know there's a skill to it there's an art to it if it's done wrong, it can really have an impact on someone. If it's done right, it can really have an impact on someone. Um, you know, a lot of people are scared of it. And at that time, um, I probably was quite scared of it. I hadn't really done very much of it in my career. But also, I was doubly scared of it because I didn't want to do it wrong because I was giving it to my friend. Yeah, that is and tough. So the importance of getting that conversation right, structuring it in the right way, approaching it in the right way, using the right language, examples, etc., cetera, um, was even more important. And I think that, um, I suppose, kind of emphasis I put on myself held me back because I remember at the time thinking like I don't want to get this wrong and so I kind of overthought it and I probably prepared too much to the point where I kind of lost my flow lost what I was trying to say probably wasn't as clear as I would have been if I'd kind of just let myself be a bit more natural and free-flowing the kind of situation got in my mind and held me back at that moment in time so yeah it's, it's you know a really interesting one when when I was in that um situation I can remember at the time feeling quite conflicted about it it's such a difficult scenario though like I've been in the same situation before as well and I think as you describe it what gets in our way is ourselves 
like it's actually awkward for everybody involved I think it can be awkward for just as awkward for the individual who is now being managed by their yeah, friend exactly it, it changes the dynamic but I I do know that I have also tripped up because I've overthought things and I've got into my head so much that I've become well kind of paralyzed by it and so I've stopped doing things that I naturally would have done and that I know to be right and to work because I've got too stuck on the notion of well this is different and it won't work as well this time because they're my friend and it is a really tricky one and I know when I've managed individuals historically where it's happened to them it's one of the you know, most problematic areas they've experienced and that I've had to support and coach them through because it's such a change in dynamic for everybody. But I do think one of the best ways to deal with it is just to say that and just to call it out. It's like, let's just like, yeah, there's an elephant in the room. Let's just remove it and just say straight away, look, this is weird, isn't it? Because one minute we were friends and colleagues and we were, well, now I'm your manager. But I think it's like just calling it as it is and talking it through in terms of right so how are we going to make this work for the both of us because it's a change for both of us I think sometimes well it's not sometimes I think it's such a big thing to do with confidence and I know when I was a very junior manager I didn't have any of that around managing people and I felt even getting promoted to a manager meant that I had to already know how to do everything that I was doing but I wasn't really supported to think any different either I would add it was very much like, well, you've been promoted now. That means you must be very good at what you're doing and can do. So off you go, you know what you're doing. And I think even that dynamic of changing relationships, it was in that category. It was like, well, of course, you know what you're doing. And of course you can handle this change and transition. And now you're just going to be a manager. So yesterday you were this and today you can do it straight away. (laughs) without any kind of acknowledgement of like, no, you've just gone through a massive change as well. Like why, why is no one acknowledging this and helping you and supporting you and empathizing a little bit with that to go, well, this is weird for you, isn't it? <laughs> but no, and I think the same point relates as well. Like if you are um, a small business owner, for example, and you suddenly, I don't know, start working with somebody you've got a friendship with, whether you bring them on as a freelancer or you're working with somebody in your network, now, like more frequently day to day etc like the same principles apply mm-hmm. like you should still call call that out and actually it's okay that this might be a bit tricky or you might feel a bit weird about the situation to start with yeah. like that's totally normal um and yeah that's not kind of exclusive to perhaps working in an organization uh and it is quite a, it's it is a tricky one to kind of unpick and navigate your way through and I certainly found that in my experience so what would you say then are some of your suggestions mm-hmm. to help our CBBs to form friendships in now more of a hybrid world? Because obviously pre-pandemic, you know, we were a bit more traditional in the way that we were working. A lot of these friendships were formed face-to-face in an yeah. office environment. Um, yes, a lot of people are still in the office, but a lot of people are now doing more of this hybrid setup. So if that's the case, what would be some of your suggestions uh, for the CBBs? So I think, you know, we've talked about friendships and I would like to hope that people have picked up on the fact that we do believe that they're important in work on many different levels and how they've benefited us. Even those awkward situations I've grown and learned so much from, 
I think all human encounter in many or in all of its wonderful forms can teach you something. So I hope that's what people have taken away. And I think when it comes to therefore in building and forging relationships in today's current environment, I think they're even more important than they ever have been because we've never been so separate and segregated, you know, so if hybrid is the way forward, if that's what's going to be the permanent, I think many people have adapted to this point already. But I think anyone who is still navigating this, and I think I'm in this category because I am working on my own and relationships are so important to me. So I've had to start investing more of my time and effort into actually creating them then now that I'm on my own so I would say a big part of that is probably what I've just said which is make an effort like I I've actually wrote it down because I I know it sounds really simple but it's not if you don't remember and do it like I think that's the thing when you're on your own at home you can easily do nothing go nowhere talk to no one (laughs) because you don't have to like yeah everything you do you can just do on your, your your laptop or your phone or whatever So I know that I've started to think, well, if I feel a bit lonely and if I want to um, meet more people and help grow my network and my relationships and use that to help with my own personal growth and help grow my business. And well, then I actually have to go find them because they're not going to find me sitting in this room on my own at the top of my house in the middle of the Cotswolds. They don't even know I'm here. So make an effort is my first one. And I think that means in terms of if you're working by yourself, seek out groups that you can join and spend time in both uh, virtual and physical, because that's what I'm starting to do. I'm like, oh, there's some physical ones I can go to now because they're starting to open up again Um, and find out ways that I can meet up with people. I think if you're in an organization, the same applies. You've got to make an effort. So that means you need to make time to actually spend time with people. If that's Zoom or on the phone or whatever it is, just identify someone that you'd like to know a bit more about or you'd like to learn more about. And you can make the connection through whether it be a project or they've got a skill set that you want to borrow or utilize or you want to learn something. But I think make an effort is a big one. And the second one that supports that is make the time then. Like you've got a set time aside, I think, to do it. Um so that actually, you know, you you don't have the luxury of just like bumping into people anymore. Yeah. Or even if you do, like when you're in the, the days you are perhaps are in an office saying, prioritise it then that actually I am going to strike up some friendly conversation with somebody over lunch or over coffee or invite someone to like catch up or whatever it is. Like, because that might be your opportunity to do that face to face. Yeah. And actually, when I'm at home, working from home by myself, like that's not the right environment to do that. Well, that doesn't work for me. So actually, that's okay. And yeah. I'm focusing on it when I am face to face in an office setting. So I think it's a really, you know, important thing about you know, making that effort, prioritizing that time. It's like any relationship, you know, friendships take, involve effort. Yeah. And actually. And two way. It's two way. And also, I think what to be just really clear we're not preaching that you know you need to be friends with loads of people at work you might be like actually I don't want any friends at work that's absolutely fine it's personal preference whatever works for you and you want at work um 
you know, with again, like I'm saying, I'm not saying you need to be dishing out friendship necklaces to everyone. <laughs> Although if anybody wants to dish out friendship necklace to me, I am open to this. Yeah. Um, but that aside, you know, you just got to find what's right for you and that that kind of balance for sure. Um, just okay. be a martyr. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You can be that exactly. way, but then don't mind if like you're lonely or you d- don't get any help with anything or you don't understand why no one's recognizing you or yeah absolutely. it's because you're not visible <laughs> so simple as that <laughs> maybe we need like a little thing here so we could have like you know connect chat have a coffee so like I don't know the three c's connect chat and have a coffee you can't <laughs> go far wrong if that's what no. we to do good idea yeah. um brilliant stuff Okay, well, we hope you have had a bit of inspiration from our discussion today on friendships at work. It's a really interesting topic, something that we haven't really discussed about before. Um, And I know there are other um, resources available. There's quite a lot of TED Talks on this area as well. And I'm sure there are other podcasts too, which cover this. But yeah, go and uh, check them out and see what your kind of view is and give it a go. It's now time for this week's Workplace Shame. This is where we share an embarrassing workplace story from one of our listeners or from us if times are desperate, which today they are. So Lisa Lisa has kindly offered to share a workplace shame story, which I think she wishes was anonymous. Yes, but it's not. So it's my story. Brilliant. <laughs> so this is for you, CBBs. Just remember this. Remember this when we're listening to it, but I've taken one for the team. So now it's time for someone else to like offer a story up. Right. Okay. Here we go. So this was a number of years ago now. Sadly, not that many though, not realistically, less than 10. Um, I was working in an organization in quite a you know, high responsibility role. I had a um, project team that had quite an important uh, project to deliver on behalf of the organization. So it was high profile enough. People were aware of it, especially in my local office. And this particular occasion, someone was leaving the business. I can't remember who, but I was always up for a social you know, especially because at the time, if I remember, I was single. So even more so because, you know, what else was I going to do with my evenings? And it was a Friday night and I had gone out for, I think it was someone in sales. I was always going out with the sales team because my department worked very closely with theirs and in that we were all customer facing as well, but we would go out quite a lot. They were a good crack and I used to hang out with them quite a lot. So anyway, one of them was leaving. So I went along had a really bloody good time which was standard um because it you know I always quite enjoyed a few sherbets or too many sherbets and so we were out anyway I got carried away in this particular sort of barn sort of nightclub it was a bar club or whatever they call it I haven't been to one of them for such a long time I don't even know if that's what the kids still call it but that's what it was I went along I got so drunk that I fell over a couple of times inside the bar to the point where 
the bouncers asked me to leave and by <laughs> asked I'm pretty certain there probably wasn't a lot of verbal communication it was probably a bit more manhandling um and actually it was myself and one of my other work colleagues who were asked to leave at the same time so we left and as if that wasn't bad enough this was a work night out and I was quite drunk and not behaving particularly well and then got asked to leave this like bar in front of everybody. Um, I then proceeded to walk down the road with the intention of, well, I'd like to say go home, but I'm pretty certain I'm, I was heading towards a kebab van of some sort. And I was chatting away to my friend and my friend, he was very tall. So I was looking up at him, wasn't really looking where I was going. And I rolled my ankle off the pavement and I was wearing high heels and my ankle snapped. I mean, you could hear it. And I still remember the pain. <laughs> and considering how many sherbets I'd had, it's a it, it, that kind of gives you a sense of how painful it was. And what happened was I actually fractured my ankle. I had a, <sighs> I had a spiral fracture and required an ambulance to take me to the hospital where they took me to a and I sat there on my own a little bit merry, not really knowing what's going on, not able to walk or do anything because of my ankle and being in complete agony. So what happened was I ended up, because I lived on my own at the time in um, in the city where, where I was working. And so I didn't have anyone at home who could like sort me out. So I ended up finding one of my best mates. They had to like come, who, who lived local-ish, they had to come over with their boyfriend to come and like, see if I was right and help me out but in the meantime I proceeded to phone pretty much all my best mates some of which live abroad so I spoke to my best mate in New York who was like hey I don't really know what you think I can do um yeah it wasn't great I ended up having to have a plate and eight screws inserted into that table. oh my god really? have you still got them in I've, now I've still got them yeah I still have that souvenir including a lovely scar um yeah not great I ended up oh. having to have surgery straight away the next morning by which point I was sober, but not hungover because they gave me, they put me on a drip. That stuff is magic. Yeah. Hydration so, is key. Instant hydration, no hangover, but I was <clears throat> nil by mouth. So I had the driest mouth ever. I mean, everyone knows when you've had too much drink, how dehydrated you feel, yeah. how dry your mouth is. Yeah. Well, that was my mouth, tons of thousand. I couldn't drink anything, um, couldn't eat anything. And yeah, and then I had to go on to major operation, have surgery. Yeah. So what happened from that? I ended up having to be rescued by my dad and taken back to my hometown, like three hours south um, and live at home with my dad and my stepmom for six weeks. Oh, Robin came to save you. Yeah, Robin came to save me and I worked from home from there for six weeks, managing my team. And and to be fair, like my, my whole team and my boss actually were amazing. Everyone was really, really like sympathetic and caring and supportive and there were no judgments which bearing in mind the subject of this episode which is about friendships <laughs> was actually quite apt because it was a demonstration of what great friendships I actually had at work at the time so the thing that despite Aww. the fact that this person of seniority who had quite a lot of responsibility had managed to go out and get smashed and fall over and break her ankle on a work night 
no one gave me any jip. I think people felt I'd suffered enough. So that was kind. Wow, fair play. So, yeah. So that's my workplace <laughs> shame. Another one. So, well, we've got to keep them coming, Lisa. I know yeah, well, quite. I know you've got a few more in that back catalogue. Well, there are some that are just never going to come out. <laughs> no way. CBB, step up. Yeah, I was going to say, so if you have a workplace shame story, which means that Lisa and I don't have to share another <laughs> one of ours in our back catalogue, then uh, please, please get in touch. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. You can message us on Instagram by searching for The Coaching Cast. And don't worry, unlike Lisa and I, or your workplace shame stories will be anonymous. It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which make us cringe. Our Bullshit Bingo for today's episode came from one of you, our lovely CBBs, and it is, I don't have the bandwidth. (laughs) So, Suze, you're going to dissect this one. What do you think? (laughs) So, I bloody love this one. This is a good one. I know I say that every week, but this has topped it this week. It's a great one. I don't have the bandwidth. So first of all, if I heard someone say this to me in a work context, my immediate response would be, you are an idiot. That would be the first thing I would think. Bandwidth. So I immediately think of bandwidth to do with the internet. I don't know why that is. I think if bandwidth's got something to do with like modems and stuff, like Wi-Fi. Don't know. Bandwidth. Bandwidth. Anyway. So it's um, not got anything to do with an an elastic band? Like bandwidth? No? I don't know. I know what it means in terms of it's when people think they don't have the capacity, don't they? It's capacity. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm going with some form of, like, tech analogy. Yeah, to to be to to do, like, broadband. (laughs) Yeah. But come on. I don't have the bandwidth as if you would ever, ever use this and if you do i'm sorry but you need to check yourself because this is not a probe. this is totes and probes this one um <laughs> but it's a great one for bullshit bingo <laughs> it is a good one it is a good one i don't have the bandwidth it's the sort of thing like at the end of the day someone saying to you essentially no because that's what this is isn't it this is a no just dressed up in some form yeah. of like it's a cushioned no like you're gonna, you need to get worried when Arthur, your little boy, starts saying, "Mummy, I don't have the band because <laughs> he's saying no in a different form now because he's he's that advanced. Your child. Oh god! But if it's not more, it's already grating and annoying when someone says no when you're asking them for some support or help or you know whatever. But then when they dress it up in this way and go, "Yeah, I don't have the bandwidth," it's so annoying. It's really grating. You're like, what? Yeah, like I would be like so confused, I think, if somebody said this to me to start off with. And then I would do my usual thing when these were like sentences or words are so abstract, my mind would wander and I'd start thinking about bandwidth in terms of the internet and modems and wife. I know I would, and that's not helpful either. So yeah, just all in all, it's a great bullshit bingo. It's a great bullshit bingo. Yeah, Brilliant. thanks so for this one, CB. It's really good. So 
CBBs, if you've got a great bullshit bingo that you would love us to share here on the coaching cast, then please, please, please do send it through to us. You can email it to hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can message us on Instagram by searching for the coaching cast. We are coming to the end of today's episode where we have discussed friendships at work. Our tips and recommendations from today's episode are number one, just make an effort. <laughs> so yeah. make Keep an effort simple. to reach out, connect, have a chat with somebody. <clears throat> number two, make the time. So prioritize it. So if you are in the office on a day, perhaps make the time to go and have lunch with one of your colleagues or somebody or equally a friend um, and just make that time, prioritize it. And number three, don't forget the three C's, which I came up with <laughs> impromptu in the episode, which are connect, chat and coffee, although other hot drinks are available. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> if you remember those three C's, you may not go far wrong in building those friendships at work. So self-coaching questions to ask yourself are number one, where are you now with your work friendships? Number two. How do these make you feel? And number three, what is the first step you can take to focus on your friendships at work? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these. All of our tips and recommendations will be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week. We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us in three ways on email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, thecoachingcast.co.uk. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us continue to grow this podcast, please do us a favor, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching for The Coaching Cast, where today you can see Lisa in her lovely brand new beanie hat. Yes, I love wearing <laughs> it. So yeah, so in next week's episode, we will be talking about goal setting and how to do it well. So Susie and I are coaches. We deal with goals a lot. We talk about them a lot. But actually, next week, we're going to talk to you about them and about how you can actually put them together. So tune in. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. It's my choice this week, and I've been inspired by the Platinum Jubilee concert this weekend. So I have chosen Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. What an absolute tune. I love this song. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love Alicia Keys. <clears throat> Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for listening, CBBs. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this. <laughs>